Welcome to Books with Bagby, a podcast about books. In this podcast, I sit down with authors discussing the reason behind certain books that they've written, or we just sit and talk about education, music, technology, or something of the like. If you find this podcast to be your cup of tea, make sure you like, subscribe, and all the things. And share it with your friends, because silos are for grain, not education. And now, Books with Bagby. Hello again, I'm here with Hedrick Nichols, and we are talking about finding your blind spots, eight guiding principles for overcoming implicit bias in teaching. And Hedrick is joining me as a educator, um, author, musician, and did I say actress as well? You do all the things from what I can remember, right? Done those things. I haven't acted in decades. So, but yeah, do a few things, do a few things. Retired musician, all of that. <laughs> musicians don't retire what do you mean yes they do <laughs> oh okay if you say so um I, I i gotta play bass in a couple of weeks and i thought i retired 15 years ago but i guess not oh wow <laughs> so don't say retire because it'll happen <laughs> that, you know what i did get a call from a, a guy i used to work with in switzerland about two weeks ago about doing go. laying a track so <laughs> see there look at you in your book, Finding Your Blind Spots, um, I, I've gone through the book and I really enjoyed the book. I, I saw a lot of myself and a lot of my story was in your book. And you tell a little bit about your story. Um, in the, of course, most authors do in their opening. And we talked about being that um, OBF. If you don't have the book, you have to figure it out and look it up. Uh, but what was the reasoning behind writing this book? You know, it seemed that I was uh, in a time loop, not a time loop, but a recurring theme loop, Uh, being the first generation of schools of integrated schools in Houston, Texas, I was often the one the one black friend there. Uh, then when I moved to Switzerland, I was the one black friend in the whole village. Um, <laughs> you know, it was just a, a recurring theme. I came back, repatriated in 2011 and ended up, we were talking about being a musician, ended up being worship director at a Lutheran church. Lutheran, uh, Lutheranism is primarily white and here in Texas very much so. So I was there, I was again. And I said, you know, there's something about this. There's something to this. What is it I'm supposed to do with this? Why do I keep landing here? And um, yeah, that's kind of what kind of brought me to it. And at the same time, I was watching my kid go through some of the same things that I went through when I was in school. Please forgive me. Oh my goodness. It was graduation weekend at my house. I think I'm still recovering. Um, so not a problem. I totally get it. <laughs> we graduated two nephews and wait, two nieces and a nephew and we had a big party. So yeah, we're recovering. Yeah, yeah. Still doing the cleaning and setting up. But anyway, um, I watched him go, go through some of those same things. I remember him coming home and saying, Mom, I hate it when it's Black History Month. And I, why? My shock. And, and he said, because every time they talk about something, everybody turns around and looks at me. 
And I remember, you know, watching some the the big dot, whatever big documentary was on. And they want whenever we talked about slavery, you know, back when I was back when we didn't say enslavement, but slavery, then everybody would turn and look at me. Or if we read uh, Huck Finn, you know, they would turn and look at me and ask me all the questions as if I were the definitive of had the definitive opinion on everything black. And that was just so tedious and tiring. And I realized that teachers tried to do a lot of good things. Um, One of my favorite stories is that when I was in high school, I was elected, I was at a predominantly white school. And so you still didn't have um, enough population to have a black homecoming queen or a black most popular because those were student body votes and we still kind of voted along color lines so they made sure but you know they they were really working toward being diverse so they made sure that there were some awards uh that were really kind of dedicated to diverse students and one of the awards was miss soul mr and miss soul And what it ended up being was like everybody's favorite token award. And I won Miss Toll, Miss Soul. And to this day, I cringe when I think about it because all of my white friends were so excited. Yay! Hashtag! And all of my black friends were so rolling their eyes and like, oh, it was just, it was just this awful conflicted moment. And so many times when we try to do something good, if we don't know. We think we're being, you're the prettiest black girl in the world. We think that's a compliment, but well, no, no qualifier. Uh, you know, a, uh, having a qualifier is never quite a compliment. And so I wrote Finding Your Blind Spots because I wanted to help people to see how we draw our circles, our, our us's and our them's, mm-hmm. and also how that affects our practice and how we might be accidentally really messing up and how we can do better. Oh, well, thank you. And I think that's exactly what we need to do is figure out how we may be messing up. And when you know better, you do better. And that's what we need teachers to do. I stole that from um, a guy in Georgia. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So what deep lessons or ideas do you want the readers to take away with? Uh, Is it just the fact that you want them to understand that there are things out there that we may be messing up on and or in the classroom and we need to figure out ways to overcome those our our biases or our ideas or things that we are getting blindsided by because we never thought of them before well some of us have never thought of them before when I've been otherized all my life I I think about it a lot Mm -hmm. I think I think that's the big thing those are the two big takeaways one is that unless you yourself have been otherized you probably don't know what othering really is. You haven't thought about it because you yourself haven't really been othered. And the other thing is that everybody others, that's the, if there's one big takeaway, you know, we act like bias, racism, those are bad words because they make, we, we equate good people are not biased, bad people are biased. Good people are not racist, bad people are racist. And we, I, I try not to even use labels because we all, the cognitive process of uh, cognitive bias is a natural thing. A baby has mama and y'all folk (laughs) and that baby only wants to be with mom. And that's why they have the whole developmental stage where they don't want to deal with any strangers. They're they're, That's their us and everyone else is a them. Uh, It has cognitive 
<clears throat> sorry, cognitive uh, functions help us to look and see, oh, there's a two-legged creature. That's probably a bear. That's probably a toddler. We don't have to look at it and say, okay, it's only two and a half feet tall. It has a chubby little cheeks and little fat fists. That's a toddler. We don't have to see, oh, it's furry. It's got paws and it's about eight feet tall. Hmm. What could that be? That helps us, we sort things all day long so that we don't have a gazillion in, uh, decisions to make. And that same thing, that same way of sorting can just go a little wrong when we talk about people. Oh, black man in a hoodie, dangerous, better stop him. Oh, black man in a hoodie, but that's okay. He's got on a simplified hoodie. All right, he's one of ours. Those kinds of things are how we sort. And when we look at how we sort, we can begin to see patterns and patterns that probably are responsible for things like why black boys are typically in schools more likely to be uh, uh, to experience punitive, punitive measures than white boys, things like that. And when we look at how we other and how we can change that, then we can make a difference in the lives of, of, of students and then in their communities because of the experiences that they have going up through growing up through school. I love it. Thank you. So um, sounds like you put a lot of yourself into this, a lot of thought process and a lot of things going on. What was the greatest challenge in writing this? Oh, the greatest challenge. Um, I think it was to make sure that everyone's voices were accounted for. Uh, racism and bias are not along color lines. Again, it's just how we other. And depending on where you are, you could be othering your brothers and sisters because you're different. <laughs> you could, you know, other another religion, another political ideology. You could other the LGBTQ community if you're not a part of it. You could other cease het people if you are a part of the LGBTQ community. There's just so many components to the way we draw our us's, draw the line between our us's and them's. And so the biggest part was to make sure that I represented. Um, the voices of people other than cishet black females of my generation. And even that, I said, you know, I'm not the definitive expert on blackness or femaleness or any other, other of the nesses. That's one of my favorite lines from the book. And so, um, but at least I have a point, uh, yeah, I have some lived experiences that I can say, my, I, can, I can share my feelings when it comes to cishet black females from a certain generation. I can't do that for uh, the Asian community or for the indigenous populations, Pacific Islanders, for people from the LG community. I, I, had to, I had to draw in my friends and draw on research and draw on you know, lots of wonderful bloggers and people I follow on Twitter and TikTok just to, um, to have some uh, authenticity in the way I represented what all people of color need because that is a monolith that really doesn't exist you know what i mean there's so many cultures when you say people of color yes when you say black people you know what i mean i have friends who are black american i have friends who are nigerian american whose parents are from nigeria i have friends who are nigerian who are from nigeria and all of us have different experiences so that was the biggest challenge was to make sure that i didn't overstep like when i the when i wrote the chapter on l on the lg community I sent it to a couple of friends and she said, but you don't need to tell, tell us how to be gay better. <laughs> like, okay. I'm so glad because it really made me go back and read that chapter and the others and make sure that I wasn't overstepping. 
You yeah. know what I mean? So I can say these are the kinds of things you look for and not say, uh, when you say this to an Asian person, it's just, they're offended because yeah, I'm not Asian. You know, every Asian is might be offended, might be not. I mean, right now there's the, the Walmart ice cream, the Juneteenth ice cream thing. And a lot, of, a, a lot of people were really offended about the Juneteenth ice cream. And I thought, well, every holiday is commercialized. I mean, yes. so <laughs> it's not like it's great Kool-Aid or watermelon ice cream. <laughs> You, you know, like they the it's, it's, it's cheesecake and red velvet. Yes. I, thought, you know, I, I thought I could give it, I could, I, for me, why not? I mean, we, you know, Valentine's candy, commercialized, all the little baby Jesus figurines, commercialized. So I didn't think, I didn't think it was, yeah, I didn't think anything bad, but, and so that was a big thing to make sure that I didn't overstep, that I gave a template of how certain things can, and, and, and I keep stressing in the book, ask. If in doubt, ask, hey, I said this, I felt a little funny about it. Was that okay? Because this person might say, yeah, no big deal. Someone else might think, Juneteenth ice cream, that's awful. What do we do? Exactly, exactly. Well, do you have any publications coming up on the horizon? Not right now. Right now I'm developing a couple of courses and I'm excited about those. I just released one with career learning. Um, um, got one coming up with EduSpark that, hey, EduSpark, if you're listening, I swear it's coming. <laughs> uh, EduSpark. And then um, on the horizon, not this year, but I'd like to start working on um, a children's book that I've already pitched and I'd like to finish that up. Two of them actually. One is uh, Everyone Looks Like Coffee. <laughs> so I like, like that yeah I'd like to go back and finish that one and I'd like to go back and um, uh, finish a kind of encyclopedia that I've that I've started working on and the other one I would like to do a finding your blind spots for for parents and, and really for churches but I'll have to see about those and see if there's mm. really see how the political wind blows and if there's going to be a market for them well um my church is a uh... I'll go ahead and say it. it's Presbyterian Church, PCA, uh, predominantly white, um, what is that, denomination. Um, a lot of them call them the frozen chosen. Uh, the church that I attend was started back in 19, well, it started as a, a Sunday school hour in 1969-ish, uh, where these white folks from actually the school where I'm now would come down the mountain and uh, have these black folks in their Sunday school, black kids in their Sunday school class. And they built the this whole church, the whole idea around um, integration and reconciliation. And anyway, all that to say is, I believe that something like that in our church would be accepted and folks would read it because we're trying to do the work of reconciliation and understanding how we work with our brother, regardless of what they look like, what they sound like, and all the things. Anyway, so yeah, get, go ahead and do that book so I can buy it. That's all that. <laughs> so as we are coming towards the end, I, I was a couple more questions. I was going to ask you what what particular gem or jewel that you think everyone should make sure they find and find your blind spots. First of all, they should buy the book and read the book, and make sure you go to Amazon and rate the book. But then oh. after that. What yes, 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 yes. Please go and rate the book. I would love that. Leave a review. I always forget to ask for that. Thank you. 
So the one thing I really want people to think about is, is the first chapter. It's about belonging. And almost all of us have some kind of a childhood wound from some place where we felt rejected. We felt that people left us out. We were excluded. And if we can think about you know, what it feels like to belong and who we might exclude in our own circles. And I don't mean in just in, in our jobs, but I mean, I'm an only child, but I have friends who have, you know, multiple siblings and there's always some kind of, you know, positioning and excluding and us and them, you know, you know, Jimmy, honey, there's always a little bit of that. And so how do you draw circles? Or you might, you know, oh, I just, you, you, my sister-in-law, I don't know how my brother married her. You know, who are those kind of people that you, that you other in your personal circle? And if you can start there, then you don't see it as a concept that's all about race and all about other people. You see it as a skill, as a, as a skill set that will change your own relationships. So that's, that's my big gem, because if we would just... I don't mean that systemic racism does not exist and that we don't need to, like, for example, if you're in Texas, please go vote. It's voting day, just so I've said <laughs> that. <clears throat> um, but if you are, uh, you, if we are kinder and gentler just as human beings, if, if we show a little more humanity yes. and a little less hate, we will begin to affect the systems because we'll see that certainly certain systems are unfair, how they're unfair, and we'll want to do better. We want, want the systems to reflect our own humanity. So that's really what I want us to see. For the, the, the first chapter, when I talk about how do you personally other, who are the thems in your life? That would be the place that I would love everyone to start. Wow, that's great. And that's the place where I want everyone to start as well. <laughs> uh, so thank you for your time. But before I let you go, I said two questions. Last question, how can folks connect with you? Just learn to spell my name, H-E-D-R-E-I-C-H. It's Hedrick on Twitter. It's Hedrick on Instagram. It's Hedrick on Facebook, although I'm rarely on Facebook. It's Hedrick on LinkedIn, all of those places. You can, oh, Hedrick, uh, Hedrick on TikTok. So you can find me at all of those spaces. What if they type in Hedrick.com, what would happen? That you would come to my website, Hedrick.com, Hedrick on Anchor, Hedrick on Spotify, uh, what else? Where else can I? <laughs> Hedrick on um, Linktree. It'll give you all of those wonderful things. But yes, Hedrick.com. Right. Thank you very much. It's been great having you on the show. Uh, and thank you for discussing finding your blind spots. Uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to go out and get this book, do it today. Do it now. You can just swipe on your phone and go to Amazon.com and click buy now and it's a, it, it'll arrive a couple of days. Uh, go ahead and do that. Um, but thank you very much, Hedrick. And as always, uh, whether we're finding our blind spots or trying to figure out where we need to go for our next meal, <laughs> I always leave everyone with ask good questions, answer the ones you can, make someone feel special, and be great because you are great. Thank uh, you. <laughs> thank you for having me. appreciate it. <laughs>